Hello and welcome back to episode 38 of Double Reel. This is the third part of our monthly magazine podcast for the discerning film nerd. Hopefully you've caught up with the first two parts which came out in the past couple of weeks. If not, please do go back to your app, download them and have a listen. Part one is Double Reel Monthly with news, reviews of new releases including Air and Sisu, my monthly David Cronenberg film which was Eastern Promises and James's look at a Nick Cage film picked at random. Part two is our regular features including our classics and recommended feature Akira, our hidden gem The Iron Giant, our one that got away, A Princess of Mars, and a remake hate watch of Tom and Jerry the Movie from 1992. Now in our final part for this month, we give you the big conversation where we talk about a topic from the film world in more detail. First of all, a warm welcome back to my co-host, James Adamson. Thank you very much. I love the introduction. Let's get into it. So you will hear our usual uh, part-time contributors, Obi and Mac, uh, James's dogs. Uh, you often hear them clipping around or, or breathing in the background. Bear in mind, they are contributors. They did give out the Cinematography Award at the Double Real Awards this year. So they are part of the process. You'll also hear some background noise because we've got fans on because in the UK today, it's incredibly hot. And I know everyone around the world laughs at our heat waves, but it's hot. We've got fans on. I hope it's not too distracting. Frankly, we don't fucking care. <laughs> that's true. That's true. Uh, yes, if you hear my dogs, they are a bit... They're acting up a little bit because they are... It's very warm. Hotter than and, hell. Yep. And they are... Um, they're not, not getting as much exercise as they would usually tire them out because it is about 5 million degrees out there. Yeah. Um, so you might hear... They are currently fighting and humping right now. Very good. Very good. Yep. Um, a great background to what is predominantly going to be a discussion of children's films. <laughs> <laughs> so the topic for today is the golden age of animation. Uh, episode 38 has had broadly an animated film theme, not the latest films we watch and stuff like that. That just tends to be what's out at a given time. Um, but our um, uh, features on the, uh, the, on the on the podcast, your hidden gem and, and, and classic and so on are all animated. Uh, and we thought for a big conversation we would talk about the golden age of animation. Um, now, this is my kind of thesis that we went somewhere around th 30 years ago, we started to go through a golden age of animation. Um, not the classic Disney age of animation from the 30s through to the 50s, which people often call the golden age of animation. Our thesis on this, this you know, or mine anyway, and we'll see what James thinks of it, is that the golden age of animation of animation started sometime in the 90s and has kind of just finished uh and we're going to walk through you know whether james agrees the ins and outs of that you know start you know maybe a, make a provocative statement see where it takes us we did have a couple of listeners comments on this on the socials uh this is where maybe some of the people you know thinking about this are uh jeff says i think the golden age is just starting personally we're seeing more and more high quality animated films each year when there used to be a maximum of three or four uh, per annum Andrew agrees with everything from Up through Coco to Encanto and films like Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse and, and the sequel. Animated films are better than ever. Uh, so not everyone agrees that the golden age is over. Um, James, do, do you agree that there was a golden age of animation sort of starting in the late 20th century? Um, well, I was, when I was like not doing research, but doing sort of like planning and notes for this. Yeah. I thought it depends who you ask and when you ask them. Yeah. Because... I suppose if you were to ask, you know, your parents, they might say, oh, well, my favourite animated film might be one of, like, the early Disney films from, you know, back in the day, because that's all they knew back then. Yeah. And I think people still have soft spots for films like Snow White and um, Cinderella, and you know those ones. Um, yeah. Whereas when you're actually looking at it from, like, a an actual kind of, 
not like an unbiased view, the golden age probably started with with Pixar or I suppose Disney, you know, at the start of the nineties. Those two Yeah. Those two filmmaking companies, they they are the ones that started the kind of what we would call a golden age. Yeah. Well that's that's where I stand on it. But I suppose if you were to ask if you were to ask someone now they might say, Oh, Moana's my kid's favourite animated film and I quite liked it too, even though Moana is a big pile of shit. Um I mean, so, I, I kind of like Moana, but I, you know, I wouldn't, I, I, I wouldn't rank it high up on the list of recent ones. I, I, I get what you, I get where you're coming from. I think you often have this, this generational aspect too. I mean, the most obvious one is, uh, is Doctor Who, which is TV, not film. Uh, it, you know, very often it's whoever was the Doctor when you first started watching is your favourite Doctor. If you're into that kind of thing, I mean, I guess, I mean, for my parents' generation, I mean, they would have caught the. You know, they would have caught the original kind of uh, animated period, you know, with like, when when were they kids? Like Lady and the Tramp, Peter Pan, stuff like that, maybe. They missed the really early ones like Dumbo and uh, and Snow White. But growing up, I remember the Disney animations, the classic ones that you would get. I mean, we, you know, I, I, I think on the day that my mum and dad took me to see The Empire Strikes Back at the cinema, uh, to appease my sister, who wasn't as big a Star Wars fan as I was, we went to see Snow White as well. And she watched Snow White on, you know, and, and then fell asleep in Empire Strikes Back. And I wasn't super interested in Snow White. But, I was, you know, I was aware it was a classic animation. And I did see all of those films. And they were good. I mean, what, one thing that everyone kind of agrees on is that the Disney animations when I was a kid, and, and, and for a long time it was just Disney when you're talking about animated films, uh, were shite. I mean, there was this first sort of peak period of Disney, which started with Snow White in... Uh, uh, in like 1937 and came to a bit of a, uh, an end in the late 60s. I think Jungle Book is 1967. The Aristocats is maybe 1970. And that's that. And it, it drops off a cliff. And for 20 years, Disney animation is, is shit. I mean, when I was a kid, the new animations coming out were like The Fox and the Hound, Oliver and Company, The Rescuers, nothing like as good as the great, as the great um, era. Now, for me, I think this. I think this golden age does start, you know, in, in and we'll, we'll go through why. And it's because it, you know, it wasn't just Disney. It, the, the films just start to get better. You get Pixar. The films are just objectively better cinema. They stop being just kind of, you know, fairy tales. The, the animation's better. The the, I think the emotional connection with the stories uh, is really endures. But I think there's one of two times it starts, and I guess the first thing we can do is that. It either starts in 1989 when The Little Mermaid comes out, right? The first little animated Little Mermaid comes out and Disney returns to form. And they go on this run of Little Mermaid, uh, Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, Lion King, right? And then through the 90s, they have a number of good, you know, good and at times very good and excellent animated films. Um, or it's in 1995 when like Pixar comes out with Toy Story and completely changes the game. Have you got a preference between those two dates, mate? Um, so, this is what I was going to say. I'm glad you mentioned films like The Fox and the Hound and the Rescuers because I think if you were to ask my fiance, she would say that she really does like um, those kind of films. Because I think some, I think people just have that kind of nostalgia. Yeah. I would agree that the kind of films like Cinderella and Snow White, the only reason they're looked upon fondly is A, because there was no other animated to compare to at the time, but they're also stories that you're told as a kid. Yeah. So when you're lying in bed and your mum and dad are reading your story and they've read you Cinderella and then you get to see it on the screen, I think that creates a kind of extra yeah. kind of bond or enjoyment of that film. Yeah. Whereas when 
Disney and Pixar changed the game. I don't particularly like The Little Mermaid. I don't particularly like Beauty and the Beast. But I mean, they're basically <sighs> musicals, aren't they? I mean, Disney hit upon this formula that said, "Mind you, you like Mulan, don't you? You always liked Mulan when you were a kid. Do you still like Mulan? The yeah, original? it's all right. I don't. I I, I kind of turn off after um, the Donny Osmond song. Well, um, let's get down to business. It sort of peaks there, doesn't it? Yeah, um, to defeat the, the Huns, the, which the, is something the tra- that Celtic should be montage, playing before yeah. every uh, before yeah. every Glasgow derby. Yeah, yeah. Um, just to annoy Rangers fans, which yeah, is always it, a good fun it, thing. It does peak there. I mean, yeah. I mean, I, I, I mean, I, I, I think D- Disney have been so central to like the animated film business, although less so now, and that there's a number of reasons for that, which we'll probably get into. Um, so when they start to hit it big, it's um, you know, it, it does get bigger, and the they hit upon this formula with like Little Mermaid onwards that they would do them as musicals, and they hired some people who were really bloody good at writing musical songs. That you know, not that I'm an expert in any of these things, but the songs in Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast, as as has been proven, um, were good enough to to hold up a Broadway show because they then they often they've often done Broadway shows of these of these things and they hold up they hold up you know maybe not quite fucking dream girls and 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 man of a mansion but very very good standard of songs and it just worked with you know like you know robin williams is the genie in aladdin and the songs and that kind of style that they really they really hit form and i don't think you can completely disregard them i think for me i didn't pay huge attention to those because those films are coming out Little Mermaid comes out when I'm a teenager and Lion King comes out when I'm like early 20s. It's like, yeah, it's not really for me, right? But I remember going to see Toy Story at the cinema because it was such fully computer animated. Come on, let's see. And it was just such a great story. It was just such a great universal story that was for anyone. And, and Pixar hit on this amazing combination of this will work for kids because it's animated, it's bright, it's vibrant, it's what if your toys were really alive. That's perfect for kids. But the story is so good and just works for all ages that it was like, it's a kid's film because you can take kids to see it, but it's a really, really, really good film for all ages. And I think everything they did since like, well, a lot of what they did since for like the next kind of 20 years or at least 15 years um, was the same. You know, Monsters Inc., Incredibles, these films hold up that way. I wanted to kind of when we talk about a golden age, I wanted to look at it from a number a number of points. If you look at um, if you just look at box office success, right between nineteen eighty and nineteen eighty seven, right, the total number of you would be maybe you guess this. What's the, between nineteen eighty and nineteen eighty seven? What do you think the total number of animated films were that made the worldwide top twenty at the box office? Oh, zero. Two. Two. Two in like eight, seven, eight years. The Fox and the Hound and an American Tale. Right. Um, in 1988, you have a little bit of a um, of, of a boost back. You have three uh, in the top 20, if you count Who Framed Roger Rabbit, which was a combination of live action and animation, right? Um, then in 1989, you get Little Mermaid. So in total, there are like six animated films in the global top 20 in the whole of the 1980s. In a 10-year period, Six animated films um, make it into the top the top twenty in the world, and then in the nineties it really starts to pick up. You get Beauty and the Beast worldwide number one, Aladdin worldwide number one. Um, then you've got Lion King, Toy Story, and then 
towards the 90s, it starts to pick up. Like, there's never less than like two or three animated films in the top 10 or 20 films in the box office. Um, and then in the 2000s, you've got um, uh, two in the top 20 and Pokemon 2 and Emperor's New Groove just outside. You've got three in 2001. And by, by the mid-2000s, there are four or five films, like 25%. Of the of the box office top twenty are what we would call classic animated films. Even you know, even though Harry Potter and Marvel are, are getting in on the act, so that's why I feel that was as well as the quality. More films are getting made, and they they the big hits at the box office. It becomes pretty central to what Disney are doing and because Disney bought Pixar. It's like pow, it gets really big. And the other thing that that started to happen, I think, is in the early two thousands, like. Um, other people start to get in on the act, like DreamWorks uh, and Sony. You get the Shrek series, you get the Ice Age series. So, and, and you know, not long after that, you've got things like um, uh, Leica Animation, who do things like Box Trolls and the Monster in Paris. Animated films became like a, a, a genuine genre that wasn't just Disney making fairy tales, you know? It was like, and I remember, I mean, here's the thing. Do you remember, you might have been a bit old for this, it might have just been your sister. There was a, a French animated film called Robinson Crusoe. No. Do you remember Hoodwinked? I think that was yes. your sister as well. No, I wouldn't see that. The best bits when the little squirrel goes, Dinamite. Remember yeah. the big dynamite yeah, yeah. in the minecart and the rest yeah. of the film was pretty shit. Yeah, it, it, it had some good moments. I mean, I thought it was quite fun that they sort of replayed, like they did a, a Rashomon and replayed the same scene from three different angles. But what was really notable about that was a film like that just got, just got totally swept away. Because if you're not up at the level of of Pixar, Disney, like Shrek and Ice Age, you're just out of the game. The standards were so high that other people would have a go and it'd be like, no, you're, you're not. You know, it's like, it's like, it was like a team getting promoted to the Premier League and just getting fucking battered because they, they're just not equipped, you know? Yeah. So, so th this is why I think it was like a, like a, a classic period. But I mean, you were, we've got, we've got a certain bias in this because in this classic period, you know, you are born and I start taking you to the cinema. So I'm watching these films and not just watching them for myself. I'm watching them as the parent wanting my child to, you know, and then your, your, your sister comes along and we were taking her as well. But there's a good four or five years where it's just you. And it's, I'm experiencing those films through you. So maybe I've got like a nostalgia for this. But if you look at the films that come out at that time, you've got the, the Pixar's like um, Toy Story, A Bug's Life, uh, Monsters Inc., Finding Nemo, you got the Shrek films start to come out. It just felt like this roster of really, really strong films. And and we were also taking, I was taking you to the kids club on a Saturday, which was like, we'll watch whatever's on, right? And we watched things like Pokemon, because you were into Pokemon and a couple of other things like that. And we famously watched Monkey's Tale twice because of cinema uh, scheduling issues. And that was that was because we wanted to see Fantasia. Which Fantasia. wasn't even that good in the wasn't end. even that good. It, it, you know, the original Fantasia wasn't that good either. It was a case of, let's show off. Our, our, our animators have done a few short films. Uh, let's show them off. That's all it is. But what was your memory generally of going to the cinema at a time when that was probably your principal diet was those animated films. What 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 are you, what are your memories of seeing those films to begin with? Before Harry Potter starts to be the thing you go and see, before these other things, what what, what was that like for you? Yeah, they were obviously the perfect films for a kid of that age. You know, they're they're just fun stories. They kind of teach you, you know, the idea of like a thrilling fun story with like the idea of like a like a big a big bad that you've got a you've got to stop and you want the characters to win and that kind of thing. And they were, 
they were just fun films, but they were just so well done with really sweet, wholesome narratives that were just perfect for anyone of that age. And I think we probably look at those films with the same nostalgia that maybe someone would look at when they were taking, maybe my cousins who are a bit older going to see Beauty and the Beast and A Little Mermaid and that kind of thing. They might say the same thing, but yeah, the, those films are just, they are just a different class, aren't they? Yeah. I think just the way they're done, the way they look, they change the game with animation and they continue to do that with like the difference between Toy Story 1 and Toy Story 4. You can yeah. totally see the, uh, the difference in the quality. And I think even, uh, obviously as a kid, you're not, you're not that interested in that all that kind of animated to you and you don't really understand the difference in cgi qualities but yeah they just they made these really fun engaging stories with fun characters and fun ideas that just really appealed to kids i mean the idea of your toys coming to life and having these kind of stories that are solely based on keeping their their kid happy is just that resonates with every child you know like some that's what those kind of films like not everyone's into you know cars and not everyone's into you know not everyone's into superheroes but things like toy story everyone had their toys and they always would pretend that the toys would come to life that was the whole point of having a toy wasn't it yeah and, and i think just... the first the first um toy story you saw was toy story 2 it was the first thing i ever took you to at the cinema we talked about this and we had a, a very sort of nostalgia pod about our experiences at the cinema together and the brilliance of Toy Story 2 is, I know you have this formula, don't you, of um, uh, standard level is, this will be well animated, it'll have good production values, it'll have a decent voice cast, it'll be well written and witty and blah, blah, blah. And it'll be fun for the kids, it'll be a good story that the kids like, and it'll have some, it'll have some references that will keep the parents entertained as well so they won't mind being there. Pixar was a cut above that because the story was just like, no, 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 we're not doing... Every aspect of the story is not just for the kids and not just for the parents. This is a single, beautifully done story which anyone will love. And obviously yeah. I responded more to stuff stuff like the year. I mean, I, I will cry that I openly wept in the cinema at, at Jesse's song because it was a song about your child not needing you anymore when they grow up. And as you watch it, you go, yeah, that's that's what's going to happen. And And what you do when you're watching that is you go... Oh fuck! <laughs> but yeah, but uh, but it's like 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 um, uh, like Woody in the story. You have to make your peace with that and just always be there for them. Do you know what I mean? It's like you all you can do is is make the most of your kids because this is when they need you and will sit and hold your hand in the cinema when the the dinosaur chase gets scary. One day they won't do that, but you know this is this is your job, and you know and Jesse at the end goes, I'd rather. I'd rather experience that than than hide away, you know. Yeah, and totally. that's like for a parent. That's it's quite profound, actually. You know, I know Toy Story is in its essence like a funny story about what if your toys were really alive, and the plot engine is an escape. They're all escape films, and that's cool. That's fine. Do, do, do use whatever plot engine you want. It's like a it's like a game engine for video games. If that's what you want to use, use it. Just just make it good, right? But underneath that, in, in, in the, the the basic story, and there's there's no element, like I say, there's no element of, and this is for the kids, and this is for the adults. This is just one beautifully crafted story, and Pixar's storytelling at that time was fucking spot on, you know. Yeah, no, it's and and that wasn't the same for me as a kid. It was about all about Star Wars for me as a kid, and you know other like adventure, you know, Back to the Future, and other adventurous 
films for kids. Animation didn't register nearly as much for me when I was a kid falling in love with cinema for the first time, you know? Yeah, I think that's that's just the beauty of Pixar. And obviously they've kind of curtailed and they're not as good as they used to be, but they, they that has to be the golden age for me. Although what I will say is that while I didn't like Cars 2, Cars 3, Monsters University or um, Inside Out, Coco was a, a rare... Um, gem for me i thought that that was a brilliant film yeah i think um, we are we are going to have to i mean if you don't mind i'd like to walk through you know what made that a golden age but then i think we're going to talk about when the golden age came to an end or when it started to wind down and i think whether coco yeah. was the end or whether something else was the end i think is going to be part of this because coco is wonderful and I, I think you're right i think coco fits perfectly in that if they'd made that any time between 2000 and 2010 all you'd say is pixar have done it again when it did come out, you went, oh, Pixar have still got it. I, I remember yeah. thinking that. I remember thinking that a bit, you know? Well, that's what I was, that's what I was trying to think there, is because obviously we're talking about a golden age and how it's, why this specific era is the golden age. And the, the listener's message at the start has got me thinking where they said that they think this is the golden age. I would yeah. disagree, but when films like Coco are coming out and people really liked um, Soul and I really liked um, Luca, you do have to kind of think, well, maybe they maybe they still have it and they they can still do it. And obviously they they can. Um, the you know the stories they make, they've still got the same kind of writers and the same you know talent working for them. But I think I think I was just trying to pinpoint where would where would you say this ends and why why does it I, end i mean yeah i i think i think it it yeah, we can do it like this we can do it like this i think it ends with coco i think coco is their last great film and i don't think they're making films that great anymore there's a number of reasons for that i mean if, if you look at like where, where it went sort of in the, the late 90s you've got uh disney is starting to do stuff like even stuff like anastasia and pocahontas they're like um they're not as good as their best, but they're steadily producing decent stuff. Uh, I thought Mulan was excellent. I think Mulan's a terrific, uh, a, a, a terrific film. And I'm not a big fan of musicals, but I think it, I mean, it's genuinely interesting. In all the stuff they talk about diversity now, you've got you know non-white characters, female protagonist, you know some interesting stuff going on. Uh, I, I thought it was abs- I thought it was absolutely superb. Maybe not their very best. Um, but it, I mean, you know, for a long time, Pixar was where it's at. You got Toy Story, Toy Story Two, um, A Bug's Life, Monsters Inc., Finding Nemo, The Incredibles. It, it's such a good run of films, you know. And I, kn- I know you're not as big a fan of Cars as you are of the other films that came out in that era, are you? Yeah, I think I enjoyed the first one. I thought it was fun, and I liked the kind of daft references it had. And I think every every boy. Even even though I was ten when it came out, every boy up to about the age of like thirteen still loves a loves yeah. their cars. Um, but I think with the introduction of cars, I think that sort of spelled the start of the end. If that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I think the the thing with cars, um, it might just be a bit of an offshoot of the problem in that. The first Cars film, right? It's either Andrew Stanton or one of the other sort of main people at Pixar. That he was really, really into that story, right? So 
it's even if it's the one that's weaker from that group, it's still like a, a story that actually genuinely meant something to the person making it. And I think it's when it turns into a bit of a production line that the quality starts to waver, doesn't it? Well, that's what I was... I don't know who made the call. I imagine it would have been Disney because it's a very Disney thing to just churn out sequels to sell more toys and make billions mm. of dollars. But it seemed, other than Toy Story 2, they weren't really interested in making sequels. They'd made very individual films and then they make cars and you think, okay, it's all right. And then they made Ratatouille and you think, yep, they've still, they've definitely still got it. And then they make Cars 2 and you think, hmm, and then they make Cars 3. And in that time they've made all, they've made Cars 2 and 3 and we still don't have, we didn't have sequels to their better films. Yeah. We didn't have a sequel, we, we got a prequel, but we didn't have other expanded stories in the yeah. the films that we really enjoy. Like I would much rather have seen a Ratatouille 2, that's a bit of a mouthful. Yeah. Then, um, well, it would be Ratatouille, and the two exactly. and two would be a number two, wouldn't it? But and then we when that when we saw that they were willing to expand on existing stories, why were they choosing Cars, and why not the films we all we thought they weren't going to expand yeah. on? Because Ratatouille ends perfectly. I don't think they'll make another one of them. But you know what I mean? Like Monsters Inc. ends perfectly, and then they gave us. Monsters University. There was no, there was no need. need for that. Yeah, I mean, and then Toy Story. I understand why they made Toy Story because Toy Story was just the hit. That Toy Story one, two, and three were just would have been the perfect trilogy. And I don't think Toy Story four is necessarily a bad film. It just doesn't add anything to my. They shouldn't have made it. Yeah. The, the, the thing with Toy Story two was they waited four years before they did a sequel to Toy Story, and it felt like when they did do it, they'd they'd come up with a good idea for a second film that that progressed it. You know. Yeah, and then they waited more than ten years for a, a third film, and I remember, I mean, Toy Story three, right? You're you're a teenager by then, just about, aren't you? When, I was thirteen when it yeah. came out, I, and I don't, I don't think animated films are as much of a priority to you, but you probably still saw Toy Story three, right? Yeah. And and I, I remember a bit thinking, have they fucked this up? And then you see it and you go, no, 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 that was the perfect way to end it. They did such a good job of that. And it just shows that period. I mean, the... Um, see, the, the other thing that happens, right, is that when other people are getting in on the act, like DreamWorks starts doing some animation films, which are, you know, which... They slow start. The Prince of Egypt and Ants, I don't think, are regarded as big sort of, like, favourites, but I think they're solid and they get better and better. Um, Nick Park and, and Ardman getting on the, on the act with Chicken Run. Um, uh, you know, Spirited Away was a world top 20 film in, 20, in 2001 when it came out, just reminding people that actually the Western gold of age of animation, we're debating whether that started in 89 with Little Mermaid and, um, or 1995 with Toy Story, but actually the, the Asian golden age of animation started in the early 80s with Studio Ghibli and some of the films they did, and Princess Mononoke and Spirited Away and... Uh, Howl's Moving Castle, all of these films are, are a whole other thing. It, there's just so much good stuff happening in this area. I think I think a few things happen to make it start to change, right? The first thing is, Disney... Uh, my voice is cracking here, must be the heat. Disney are like... Um, they used to, they used to protect the, the top-line product a little bit. You know you're talking about sequels. Do you remember the whole phenomenon where you would get the big Disney film in the cinema and then the sequel would be like straight to video? Yeah. It would be straight to streaming now. So you'd get Cinderella 2, but they wouldn't send it anywhere near a fucking big screen, right? 
and they yeah. did that with they did that with Tarzan. I think they did that with Aladdin and all of these things. Now, Tarzan, that's another really good one. They were, re- I mean, they were really at such such a, a high level, so, and and I think they started to. Disney started to lose their way again. I mean, Atlantis. We both like Atlantis. We both like talked about it on this podcast. There's there's a, there's a good film in there, isn't there? But it didn't quite didn't quite land, and Treasure Planet didn't quite land either. And it was like Disney's animated films didn't compl- didn't always hit as well, whereas Pixar seemed to be fucking invincible through the two thousands, right? And then the other thing is that the while the animated section is getting more competitive because DreamWorks and Sony and Fox, uh, you know, are all coming out with their own, uh, you know, animated series as well. Harry Potter comes out. Narnia comes out. You know, other people are starting to realise that there's a whole market here for kids' films that we should be getting into and non-animated films are targeting a younger audience, right? But, I mean, there's always films targeting a younger audience, but these, like, the Harry Potter became a giant, massive franchise, right? And... And before the end of the 2000s, you know, you start to get Marvel films like Spider-Man and Hulk. But by the end of the 2000s, the MCU is in place. And while that's not going to particularly hit the six-year-old animated film market, right? There's a whole, like you say, there's a whole range of maybe up to 12 years old that would still watch the new Pixar, who have now got a lot of other, stink, a lot of other things competing for their eyeballs, right? I mean, how do you remember that coming out? How do you remember your your appetite for animated films may be changing or maybe not changing when Harry Potter and superhero films start to come out? I don't think it changed until I was just I got older yeah. and was doing other things. So I was happy to go see Star Wars. I was happy to go see um, Spider-Man. I was happy to go see all of these films. I think just when you get older, you have less time. I, I, I suppose... Do you you lose interest, or you think maybe if I'm actually going to go to the cinema, it has to be something that I really want to see? So that kind of narrows down to things like you know Christopher Nolan's next film or Tarantino's next film, and you just you just I think it just kind of comes with the territory of being an adult. That's just grown out of it, isn't it? Yeah, and it's not necessarily that these films have dropped quality, but I think the last animated film I went to see, like because I wanted to after I suppose my parents took me would have been inside out mm-hmm. I think my mum took me to see that and then you know other than that it was kind of like okay well I'm at school now I'm doing exams and then you know I, I left school and then you know I've, I've got a job and things like that so it's you know you just you, you lose you lose the time and you just kind of naturally grow out of it that doesn't mean necessarily that you don't want to see these films because you'll always have that nostalgia to stick it oh why don't we stick on Toy Story 2 that's a great film um, or you stick on the whole uh, quadrilogy, yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's hard. It's hard yeah. to put. I, don't I mean, think I, I mean, ever that, that's, didn't want that, to see those films. Yeah, so I mean, that, just that that's just you know, we we grow out of it. And if I want to take you to see a film, and you want to see the new Tarantino film, I'm like, yeah, fucking hell, you know, <laughs> of course, right. So the Shrek films, the law of diminishing returns applies after about Shrek 2. Ice Age, Ice Age went on quite well for about four, maybe four films. But again, it's just Ice Age. It's just those characters. It, I think it started not to be as strong. If you just take Disney, right? Disney are doing like they had, I mean, Pocahontas was a big hit. The Hunchback of Notre Dame did okay. Hercules was a hit. Oscar nominated Mulan. 
Tarzan, their animated films and Dinosaur, these films are doing really well, right? Um, even though Dinosaur's only okay. Pixar goes from Toy Story, A Bug's Life, uh, Toy Story 2, Monsters, Inc., like Finding Nemo, The Incredibles. I mean, what a run, right? Wally uh, up. So through the 2000s, they're doing really, really well. But it is starting to... Disney's main animations are starting to kind of like not hit as much. I mean, Bolt was okay, I suppose. It's not super rewatchable. Princess and the Frog. Princess and Frog is, is good. It's fine. But, you know, the they have a massive flop with Mars Needs Moms. You get Cars 2 from Pixar and you just start... It's not as strong. Brave. I don't think you're a big fan of Brave, are you? I quite I quite like it because I live in Scotland and there's loads of... I think they, for an American film studio to have the references that they do to Scotland, I think is... Yeah. It's, it's yeah. quite funny. Like the, the kind of dialects is a really funny bit where there's yeah. a guy from who's obviously meant to be what we call a Chukta up here mm, who's basically yeah. someone from Norfolk to you. Yeah. Um, just goes, I can see my house through here. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, yeah. I think that was just like, oh, like someone's made a film. Got, the actual story of the film and the execution of the film, eh, it's pretty and it's got some nice singing in it, but do you know what I mean? It's, I, I like it. It's all right. That would be... Yeah, I, I, yeah I, I get you. I get you. I mean, the... See, what happens for me, I mean, we're just looking at mainly Disney here, but I mean, I mean, take it worldwide. Studio Ghibli slows down its quality because it, there was one visionary genius behind um, uh, behind Ghibli and he retired or died and his son did some, but they're not as good, right? Um, the other kind of big franchise, Madagascar. Madagascar is good, but all it is is Madagascar and they do, once you've done like three of those, it's like, oh, okay, enough now. Same with Ice Age, same with, um, with uh, Shrek. And then, the quality just starts to get a bit variable in the 2010s. Mars Needs Moms is a flop. Cars 2. They did a Monsters Winnie the... Monsters vs. Aliens, remember that? Yeah. I mean, that was fine. I'm not even sure who did that. Um, but then you've got Wreck-It Ralph is a Disney one, which I think some people do like. And then Pixar. Pixar starts to wobble a little bit. Monsters University is not up to the standard of the original, like, Mon- you know, Monsters, Inc. Uh, and then... They have another. They have another big one with with Inside Out, which is a beloved film and, and does some genuinely interesting, great things. But the same year, The Good Dinosaur comes out and actually flops, right? And Disney has a big hit with Frozen, even though it's basically one brilliant song with a lot of kind of average stuff wrapped around it, right? You're not a big fan of Big Hero Six, are you? It's like no, I love Big Hero. Six. Oh, you love Big Hero. It's Six. Frozen. I don't like. It's Frozen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. Big Hero Six. I mean, I like Big Hero Six, but the the the, the um. And then they do Zootopia, which is really good. And Finding Dory is a good sequel to... to but it starts to get a big, big variable. They're doing Moana, which you're not so keen on, in Cars 3. Incredibles 2, I wasn't keen on either. I feel like, for me, the last truly great film Pixar did was, was Coco. I thought Coco was brilliant. And the last really good Disney animated film that I'm looking through here is probably Zootopia, which I thought was a terrific film, right? And since then, I think it's been a bit of a downward a downward drop since then. Would you agree? Yeah, I think what to kind of touch on what I said earlier is that the, the signs were sort of there when they started with this, the sequels that nobody really wanted. So everyone wanted a sequel to Toy Story, but that's 
just because it was such a massive hit. But I don't think we necessarily need were desperate for a sequel to The Incredibles or any any of the excellent Pixar films like Bugs Life and things like that. We thought, oh, that's a great film. I really enjoyed that. Like, I'd happily stick that on again in a couple of years for the kids. And then they made Cars 1, and then five years later they've made Cars 2, and then a couple of years after that they made Cars 3. And you thought, why are you investing this time in here when we would much rather have a new idea or if you're going to expand on the universe pick one of your stronger your stronger assets and they didn't do that so that was the sign of the first wobble from pixar's perspective now disney have always been a bit samey and meh to me like you could they have a formula they they write the big hit catchy song that's going to win best song at the oscars and they just make a story around that yeah so let it go has probably one or two references to it being cold and Elsa's icy powers, but you could probably could put that in. Mo- you could change that a little bit and put that in any Disney film that they've made from the past forty years. Change it a little bit so it fixes to the Little Mermaid. And any any story where the central female character hits a crisis, exactly, um, and and you know the midpoint of the film that could be your showstopper song. Which is look, whoever wrote that song fucking deserves all the success yeah, they great. had, right? And it's very well sung by the wickedly talented Adele Dazeem. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, Hang on, what, what's her actual name? Is it? It's Adina, Adina Menzel. Menzel it's Adina but Menzel, but that's, that's, right, yeah, that's That was so, the yeah. moment where I thought Scientology has rotted that man's brain <laughs> to a pulp. This yeah. is a bit of a morbid story, but when I was at college, there was a former police officer turned criminal lawyer turned criminal lecturer who told me a story about a man who was riding a motorcycle and the injuries were so bad that he was basically just jelly. That's the inside of John Travolta's <laughs> brain. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Like, so, but, but yeah, to get back to the point, the, I think the way it, I look at animated wobbles or the animated era is that Pixar was so strong from 1995 all the way till... I like cars. I'd say one. I'd say 2010 is their absolute peak, and then after that, the hits start to get well. well the, the, the classics start to get a little bit less frequent. They have 14 years, and I'm. It's weird right now. I'm thinking once the podcast is over, I'm going to go watch cars. Yeah, because that's the one to me where I think this is the weak link, and you think, oh no, because cars is a perfectly fine film. You've got Owen Wilson doing his wow and all that stuff, but. For 15 years, they were on top, and then they make Cars 2 in 2011, you think. Mm, yeah, yeah. Whereas for Disney, I think, uh, I can I can leave Beauty and the Beast, I'll take Pocahontas, and I'll take Mulan and Tarzan. I'm not the biggest fan of The Lion King. I think it was just before my sort of interest in animated yeah. films, whereas, yeah. like I've said before, my cousins probably love that. Yeah. I've never really been into it. But I can... I can mostly take or leave just Disney animation. And they, they went through a rough patch when Pe- Pixar was making all these absolute hits. Then the wobble starts with Cars 2. And then what what do they make? They make Cars 2 in 2011. And then is their next film after that Monsters University? Or am I missing something in 2012? Let's see. Um, Brave is Brave. 2012. That's another bit of a wobble. I like it, but it's... If you were to tell me that the same people that made the masterpieces from 1995 to 2010, except Cars... It's not a masterpiece, is it? Yeah. And then you think, hmm. They make Inside Out, which I wasn't as keen on, but strangely enough, it has probably the most emotive story out of all of them, maybe apart from Coco, mm-hmm. because it's, again, about a kid that's kind of growing up and, yeah. you know, loses the kind of joy in their life and sadness starts to kind mm-hmm. of take over and kind of thing. But I wasn't too keen on it. 
then I didn't actually watch Coco till last year. Mm. And I remember watching it with my partner and we were just in floods of tears at the end of it and we thought, wow, so that was 2017 that came out. So, yeah, Coco's a funny one because if they, like I said, if they'd made Coco in the midst of the 2000s when everything else they did was was striking gold, you would just say, yep, another another masterpiece from Pixar. When they did that, that came on the back of Cars 3. I mean, they're done inside out and that was good. Finding Dory, which is fine, but it's a sequel. Uh, you know, Monsters University, which was a big come down. It was like, it was almost a case of, oh, well, it's either they can still do it or maybe Pixar are back. And you wouldn't be having those conversations about Pixar 10 years prior. There was no doubt that Pixar were capable of making a film like Coco. Do you know what I mean? So, I, yeah. I mean, I, I think, think it's... Sorry, sorry, go ahead, mate. I think it's fair to say that Pixar's had its... It's had its heyday then, but they can... If they get the right kind of story and a new idea, they can still make something good. Like, I like Luca. I thought it was great. I thought it was really fun. I like the idea of it being set in the Italian Riviera. Not as many people liked it. It was set. It was not set. It was uh, released during COVID, so it didn't make as much money. It's hard to judge that one, well. isn't it? Yeah. But I'm now looking at the Disney films during the same time. So, Toy Story came out in 1994. So we'll start in 1995. Sorry, so we'll start in 1994 for Disney. Sorry. So you've got Aladdin, massive success, Lion King. I can take Pocahontas. Don't care about Hunchback and Rockstar. I like Hercules, Mulan, Tarzan, The Emperor's New Groove, and Atlantis. So actually, Disney go on a really good run. Yeah from my personal perspective, but in general, till about 2003, where they made Brother Bear, couldn't give less of a fuck about that. Yeah. Bolt. Remember that? Bolt. They pushed Bolt so hard, but it's bang average. It's bang average film. It's shit. And they made The Princess and the Frog, which I think people quite liked. I, I've never seen it. Tangled, it's, which it's, my sister I, I mean, loved. I, I, I've seen it, and it's good. It's a good, it's a good Disney film. I, I would put it, Maybe not far off something like Hercules. It's like it's got some terrific moments, and you know, and is a decent, a decent one. You know, yeah. Um. So where are we now? And then they make Tangled, and then this is Tangled, and from then onwards is when they sort of try and make their characters look like Pixar, but not Pixar. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So then you've got Tangled, Wreck-It Ralph, Frozen, Big Hero 6, Zootopia, Moa. They all look like, the, if you were to just slightly change some of the kind of characteristics of the characters, it would look like it's a Pixar. Yeah. And from then, so when 2010 onwards, from when the Pixar Golden Era finishes, you've got Tangled, Wreck-It Ralph, Frozen, Big Hero 6, Zootopia, Moana, and Kanto. So it almost seems like Disney have just stolen the CGI from Pixar. Yeah. And try to kind of keep that familiarity, um, but it's not got the same kind of quality from the golden age. Yeah. I saw Encanto and it felt like they just thought, right, we'll get Lin-Manuel Miranda because he's a brilliant songwriter. And just hope for the best, but the actual substance of the story is pretty weak. It has sort of references to like Colombian civil wars and revolutions, but it's a bit of a weak story. Um, yeah, I mean, I I wanted to talk about Encanto as an example of what's happened to Disney, right? Right. Because I think th this is part. Of my, I think there's a few different things happened to Disney, and we'll talk about some of the other ones in a minute. But one one of them is m most things that are brilliant are not brilliant forever. Do you know what I mean? Except you know, pizza. Yeah, yeah. But like great film directors have a peak period yeah. and after that period they're not so good. They're you know, the the 
that you know what you have it, the era of the classic action blockbuster with Lethal Weapon and Die Hard. Ten years later, they're not making any. The ones they're making aren't aren't nearly as good. It it happens, right? Things just aren't as good as they used to be. Encanto is a terrific example. I'm outside of Hamilton. I'm still not one hundred percent sure about Lin Manuel Miranda, but I really like him and I do like a lot of his songs, right? Well, even though I'm not kind of the target audience of musicals, right? But the idea of of, of a, a South America or Latin America set Disney film musical with Lin Manuel Miranda go, well, that's that's sound. That's a solid basis to make a film on, right? I think Colombia is a fascinating setting for a uh, for an animated film, and I think the fundamental idea that this house is a magical refuge for people who are escaping troubles in Colombia. I mean, they've they've had civil war and, and and upheaval and conflict a number of times in their history. What a terrific idea! And all the people, apart from one, have got like a magic power, and that's kind of that's kind of uh, the the the, the dominant uh, you know the dominant storyline and and they've got there's a whole community they've got to keep together that draws on the magical realism of Gabriel Garcia Marquez it's like that okay kids are not going to be into like Gabriel Garcia Marquez's magical realism novels but Disney have always done some really and Pixar especially have always brought some interesting elements from outside kids animation to liven the story up everything in there is the element of a great story right but the opening song's a bit lame. A lot of the songs are just like exposition. It's like, I'm going to sing you some stuff you need to know in the story because we haven't actually told it in the story. The whole idea of them being escaped from troubles, and that's why the magical house happened, is mentioned at the end and in a flashback and plays no other part in the story. So there is no jeopardy and no stakes. You've just they- said the troubles there, and I really want a Lin-Manuel Miranda film set in Belfast in the 70s. <laughs> Sorry. Lots of uh, Northern Ireland accented rapping, but um, <laughs> but you know the, the, I think they call it La Violencia, and it's all um, it it doesn't have any stakes because it, what happens is oh this person doesn't have any magical powers, so do you know what I mean? All the yeah. other people in the village are fine, and at the end, all the other people in the village seem fine, even though they don't have magical powers. So why are we supposed to care? that this one person doesn't have magical powers. Oh, the house might lose its magic. Well, the village still seems nice. What's the problem? They, the, 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 that matriarch character keeps going, the community is depending on us. For what? I never got any sense that anything that was going on was important, really. And, and it's not a case of this being unfamiliar, because I've never been to La Dia de los Muertos, uh, you know, Coco. I don't belong to that tradition of you know, believing that there's an afterlife for people as long as they're remembered and loved by the rest of their families, surviving relatives and descendants. But I totally get it. It's totally relatable because they just make the story so good. There's everything in, in Encanto could have been a great, fucking great film, right? And the Pixar of their peak period, 1995 to 2010, would have knocked that out of the fucking park. And the Disney that made Mulan, particularly, you know, diverse film, plenty of non-white characters you know, female central character with a crisis to overcome. They've done that. They've done, they've knocked it out of the park. I'd happily see another one. The Disney of their, their peak period would have made a great movie out of that. And the Pixar and their peak, peak period would have made a classic out of that. And they don't because I just think they're, um, they, they've just lost their touch a little bit. And I don't, I don't think it's any, on that particular one, I don't think it's really anything more than that. I don't think they've quite got what they had. It's like watching a great footballer who's just not quite got it anymore. 
every now and again they still do something brilliant, but it's fewer and further between because they just they just don't have it. In, in Canto, with just better storytelling in the actual plot and giving the the story some stakes, that would have instantly been a much better film. And it's just it's just not quite there. And I think I think that sums up a lot of the problem with Disney Animation now. They've just it's they they the peak period is over, so they're just not as good as, as they used to be. And the next film they make is considerably less likely to be a classic movie. Um, you know, and and and, and Pixar, you know, they, they don't seem to have the same fertile ground for ideas because their last big film was was Lightyear, the Buzz Lightyear prequel. What's that? That was that, no, was, that was terrible. That's just you know. 10 even 10 years ago but definitely 15 years ago and absolutely definitely 20 years ago not even a prequel though that sorry that film is it's a complete it's a a story about the film that inspired the toy of buzz lightyear i i I bet you i absolutely bet you that 15 20 years ago pixar would have had script meetings or film idea meetings where much better story ideas than that were rejected because they're just not up to the Pixar standard. And now that is something they'll spend $200 million on. Yeah. So I, I think partly, I think partly it's a case of them having lost their touch. But you, we were talking before, and one of the reasons it inspired me to, to, to suggest an animated thing for this, this podcast, about the audience demand for content has changed. And, and kids aren't necessarily as up for an animated film as they used to be, because when I watch TikTok and Cocomelon, do you, you think you think that's part of it? Yeah, think I think... Kids can watch other stuff now. Yeah, I think the kids are much more interested in smaller screens now. So it's... Uh, it's hard to engage kids. So I th- maybe that's why the quality's dropped, because maybe they're not trying as hard. They just think, <clears> well, let's release a catchy song, and that's what the kids would be interested in. Because that's what all Moana is. Moana is two catchy songs, and one of them's really fucking irritating. Um, the the actual content of that film is dog shit. But kids love it, because it's the ocean, it's the sea, and they've got these funny songs, and the rock plays uh, Maui and all that shit. But it's not actually any good. The quality isn't there. But it's the same, it's just the same form that they apply to every other film. They, um, they hire people that are really good at writing songs, and hope for the best. They don't. They, they, it's like they're working backwards. They don't. They don't come up with the story first. They just start with, "Oh, great, let's get Lin Manuel Miranda to write this music, or let's get Hans Zimmer to do the score for Lion King." Do we actually have a story to go with these films? Ah, not really. Let's just put Hamlet in there. So Disney have always been quite lazy when it comes to creating these good, interesting stories. And I think if you're going to want kids to get off of TikTok and stop watching Coco Melon and was it what's that other one? Not Paw Patrol, but Bluey. Yeah, all that kind of stuff. You're gonna have to try and make some interesting stories. And with the with the fact that you know people are struggling to pay their bills at the moment, it's it's not really for it's not really up. It's if a film isn't going to be absolutely brilliant, people will just wait for it to go on Disney Plus. Yeah, I mean like, the, 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 the already economics are a challenge, aren't they? Avatar Two is already on Disney Plus. Yeah, so you can either you can have your six ninety nine subscription a month to Disney Plus, or you can spend fifty odd quid to take yourself, your partner, and two or three kids to the cinema and snacks once, or spend that in a year on Disney Plus. Do you know what I mean? So I think I think that is the problem. I think they aren't trying as hard. They don't care as much because they know people aren't going to like the the cinema isn't 
going to make as much money as it used to unless it's like a, a an absolute event. So there'll, be, there'll always be that kind of core of diehard fans that will go and see James Cameron's next film or Christopher Nolan's next film or Spider-Man and all these films. But yeah. for people with kids, to get kids engaged in the cinema for an hour and a half, nearly two hours, it has to be a really engaging show. And I don't, I've not, like... I I don't know many kids that are six years old, but I've not I've not heard my little cousin uh, say he really enjoyed wanted to go see this animated film. Maybe it's just because he's not into those kind of things. But you know, has it has do you, do you reckon if you were to get my brother to watch Encanto, he'd actually sit and watch it? Do you know what I mean, or would he rather watch Paw Patrol? Yeah, I mean, I I don't know. I mean, with, with mine, I have seen him start to generate the attention span to actually watch a film all the way through and you're absolutely right the one thing i would say right and i know there's no getting around the economics of going to see a picture film at the moment you know inflation combined with you know economic poor economic performance and stuff it's it's a tough time to go to the cinema right but in terms of people are still going to the cinema and i i mean the way i would look at it is is that at home, I think there's always going to be a challenge, and that's why I was a little bit, you know, I, I found Disney's idea about s- sending stuff straight to streaming a little bit strange because that's where I thought they would be the most vulnerable to the competition from Cocomelon and YouTube and TikTok and Paw Patrol on, on streaming services, right? Because um, if it's at home on streaming, and I, you know, I get, I get this with my youngest, your, your little brother, he's like, oh, I want to watch Paw Patrol. And I try and look, let's go on Disney Plus and I'll make you watch Monsters Inc. or I'll make you watch Finding Nemo and it will be much better. And I, he watched all of the Uncred- Incredibles the other day and that's terrific, right? Um, but at home, there's so much competition for all the other things. Whereas if people are still going to the cinema, a trip with the kids, it's like, why is, why is, um, why is going to the cinema not? A chosen day out for kids, as opposed to I don't know, taking them to soft play or something. Do you know what I mean? What? It, why aren't people t- taking kids to the cinema for a day out? There is the cost, but you know, I would have thought that if a big enough film comes out, it's you know, it's more likely to kind of you know demand the kids' attention if they've been taken out of the house and can't watch their small screen. Do you know what I mean? I just think there's so many different ways to distract a kid now that don't cost as much. I think it does come down to that. I mean, like I said to you before the podcast, just kind of catching up with what we've been up to. I've been playing a lot of football recently and I'm 26 years old, but I'm still running after the ball as if I'm five years old again. Yeah. And I think there's just something core in that where you you won't get the same enjoyment of watching a film for two hours as you would for kicking a ball for a couple hours. Yeah. And, you know, I'm I'm a grown man and I think there's just... I think kids, I don't know, I think it's different for us because we're watching it and analysing it from a totally different perspective to a child. Yeah. Obviously, there'll be kids that go, oh, I, I really love that. But I think kids are just so into like things like TikTok and YouTube mm-hmm. these days that that's just the thing. Yeah. Like, cinema will always be there, but I think, well, they might not be. Cineworld nearly fucking liquidated this year, but you know what I mean? Like... You know, it's always about, oh, have you seen that new trend on TikTok? Have you seen that new dance? Or, you know, Mm. video games as well. You know, video games are just going to keep growing. You know, kids are more into things like Fortnite or um, what what other games are everyone playing? I mean, 
my missus is a teacher and all the kids are playing uh, this game called Coin Master, where you just mm-hmm. you, you don't you, it's not, it's like the slot machines, but you don't you don't put any money money into it. You just watch coins fall down. That's pretty much it. You know what I mean? So I think it's I think we do live in an age where all of our well ninety five percent of our media is consumed through smaller screens like phones, tablets, and laptops. That that the animated films just aren't the thing anymore. There was probably a time when kids all they would want is the new to go see the new film and get the new Mr. Incredible toy or the new Sully toy or the new Woody toy, you know what I mean? And now it's it's just kind of different. Yeah, I, I, I get where you're coming from. And like a lot of the things we've discussed in the past couple of years, there's a couple of things happening at once. One is COVID and we're not completely out of that. This year is not going to see like back to 2019 levels of numbers, just sheer numbers of films released. Films are starting to do better at the box office again. You have had some big breakout hits and people are hoping to see a bit of a recovery. You've also got the economy. You've also got really streaming beginning to bite. Um, And I think that's one of the things we're just going to have to see how it shakes out over the course of a a couple more years. But, you know, and I get get where you're coming from on like the the demand for people's attention. I mean, the thing is, TV and home video was going to be the death of film and, you know, television was going to be the death of film. You know, and it's still here. I mean, you know, like you say, nothing lasts forever. Maybe, maybe this isn't gonna, you know, gonna go. And the other thing I was interested in, though, is I know there's been lots of other, you know, people making animated films these days, especially. But Disney's always a big part of it. Disney and Pixar, and Disney in particular, seem to be devoting their efforts in other directions now, and they're making. They're going out of their way to almost put more effort into kids' films that are not animated. All these live-action remakes. And is that is that part of the problem, that Disney's kind of uh, gone gone down this remake production line? Yeah, I think that's the kind of way they're going to guarantee making money is because those films are going to attract a wider audience. Mm-hmm. So... You hear that they're doing a live-action Lion King. Well, I, I, I'm probably go. Oh, well, I remember watching that film back in the day. Well, I wonder what they've done with it now. Oh, they've got Beyonce and Donald Glover playing the main characters. Let's go see that. And then you can bring your kids along and introduce them to that. And then that way the kids go, so there's another Lion King to watch. And then you watch that one as well. And you kind of build up a nostalgia engagement as opposed to creating mm-hmm. new things and taking a risk mm-hmm. and not making... Like, when you think about it... Do, Disney and Pixar were taking a risk every every year with these new films that they were making. And now it seems to me like, well, we've just had The Little Mermaid come out. And then in recent years, we've had The Jungle Book and what was the other one? Lion King come out, Beauty and the Beast. That's four films in the space of, what, six, seven years that are carbon copies of, oh, and Aladdin, five. So these films are just ex- identical to the films that came back came out back in the nineties, as opposed to these new ideas. And I think that's just what we're going to see more of. We've had Disney announce three more fucking Star Wars films because that'll just generate another six billion dollars for them. You know what I mean? It's that I think that's I think that's the sign that the golden age of animation, certainly from Disney's perspective, is over. And DreamWorks have always been bad for this. They made four Shrek films, about five million Despicable Me minion-related films. Mm. Whereas Pixar seem like the only ones that are still trying these new things. It doesn't seem like they're making a lot of money from it. Luca made barely any money. I know Soul did Soul make a bit of money. 
Uh, Did Soul make its money back at least because it was pre-pandemic or am I making up? Am I Soul, my... Soul came out in December 2020. So probably didn't. And it made 121 million at the box office, which, when you consider the restrictions on going oh, to the cinema yeah. back then, is actually not bad. Right. But yeah, um, that, that's that's technically a financial loss it, it, purely on box office. And we've talked we've talked in the past that like box office shouldn't be the end of the story. But yeah, you, you know that that's it. Yeah. And yeah, we're we're looking at it from a solely filmmaking perspective. They're the only ones that seem to be trying new things. Disney yeah. are obviously making Encanto and other things because they've just got a massive budget they can afford to make. Um, Encanto and Zootopia and Big Hero 6 and all these kind of films but I think they will just always revert back and fall back to type and make these kind of rehashes and yeah, endless sequels because it makes money and I think soon I think we might start seeing that from Pixar as well I hope not but Luca made no money Soul made no money I don't know what the next Pixar film is actually going to be um, hopefully it's a kind of new fresh idea but I wouldn't be surprised if we just got a Ratatouille 2 or a Wally 2 do you know what I mean because that's the only way they're going to try and make they're actually going to make their money back and that's all Disney actually give a fuck about now they've bought Fox um, so they can expand on um, the Marvel Universe a little bit more so yeah I think that I think the actual golden age ended in 2010 but we've had little flashes with Coco and other films and amongst that but I do think now that it's yeah, it's kind of got to the point where I don't think we'll see that as much anymore. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I, 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 do, I do wonder if, if, you know, if they are going to make animated films, they, you know, they could, you know, there's still a market for it. But uh, yeah, the, the, the age is over. I think they're going to have to make them a, a little bit less frequently. I think it, it look it's up to Disney. They I mean I I read this the other day or I heard this the other day talking about um Little Mermaid. The actual audience for Little Mermaid isn't like new young kids necessarily wanting to watch that because if you show a kid the old Little Mermaid and the new one they'll like the animated one much much better. But there's a lot of people who, you know, over the years have watched Little Mermaid going up and will go and watch this one to hear the songs again and to have a good time at the cinema. Similar to like um, Mario. is Mario's had fans for years and years and years and there's plenty of people who aren't kids going to see that because they've been fans of the games all these years. Yeah. Um, I th- yeah, I think, I think the kids' market does seem to be contracting, but Disney's... Disney's strategy is all wrong, and I don't know if they're going to, you know, what's going to happen to that because they they've been taking a number of beatings over there, like streaming strategy, film strategy, you know, maybe that will change. I, I I do, you know, I I haven't seen the quality drop off a cliff the way it did in the seventies and eighties, where the actual quality of the animation and the quality of the storytelling and everything just immediately became substantially inferior. It's just this just feels like. The, the the great golden peak period is over and we'll probably still see some good animated films from time to time. It's just not as much of a thing as it used to be, right? Yeah, I agree. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, I was interested in this because going to see those films with you was, and with your sister was such a big part of my, you know, big part of my life and hopefully a big part of your life. And I am looking forward to taking, uh, you know, your little brother to see his first film as well you know it is it is it is a big thing i just uh i do think i mean while he can watch all of those old classic films on streaming or the ones that you know the ones that i own i mean he watches the iron giant which we discussed as a hidden gem and he loves it as well um 
even though he's little and doesn't get all of it, he calls it the big robot film. Um, uh, it's like, I think we were a little bit spoiled because we could go to the kids club on a Saturday morning or to whatever new film was coming out and it would be, it would be Shrek. Our trip to the cinema would be Shrek or it would be Monsters Inc. or it would be Finding Nemo. It was just like one terrific film after another, wasn't it? And I don't think it's going to be that for your little brother. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I hope. I hope they release a, a film that is worthy of, um, you know, his first animated film. I assume it's going to be an animated film that you go see in the yeah, cinema. Yeah, I think so. Time, yeah, so. Yeah. I hope it's worthy of that. Yeah, we'll see. Anything else to cover on the uh, the Golden Age of Animation, mate? Just quickly before we wrap up, the next Disney film is going to be something called Elemental. Oh, I have heard about this. I think this is another yeah, big yeah, swing, yeah. isn't it? They've got Elemental, which seems like it's uh, about elements. Like, f- I think f- fire and water will fall in love or something like that. Yeah, the story didn't called... immediately grab me, I have oh, to admit. Fuck's sake. What have I just said? There's a film called Elio, not much information on that, and Inside Out 2. So there we are. Yeah, yeah. Literally what I've just said. Yeah, I'm just going to quickly read up on what Elio is. Just in case it's a fresh idea and we can have some hope before we you know, end this part of the pod. Um, is there any, it looks like it might be... Oh, it's an 11-year-old child who meets aliens and becomes ambassador for the Earth. So it might be something a little bit new. So that's, that's promising that they're still making fresh stories, but I do wonder if they're just going to, oh, let's make this kind of fresh story about elements falling in love or uh, a child becomes ambassador for the earth and it's not actually got the kind it's of soul and richness. Yeah, yeah. yeah, like the story could be interesting, but it's just not got the kind of, like Toy Story 2, or Toy Story in general, just appeals to kids because everyone pretends that their toys are alive. Mm-hmm. Not, no film can really come close to that hook. Even Ratatouille and stuff like that don't come close to it. Yeah. But, yeah. Hopefully. Hopefully it picks up. Yeah, you know, hopefully. Um, I think that there is some there is some hope for the animated genre, you know, in, in the sense that, all right, it's no longer the dominant thing, but people are still doing some interesting things with animation, even if they're not, like, like leading. I mean, I remember Kubo and the Two Strings came out a couple of years ago, and that was a really good film. It's not Disney or Pixar, but it's interesting. There's interesting stuff being done. Japanese anime just continues to truck on doing what they do. And the Spider-Man, Spider-Verse animations are also good films. So there's good stuff out there, but it's not the same. I don't think it's going to be quite the same for your, your, like your little brother going to see animated films. In the same way, it wasn't for me. Animated films were not the thing I went to see at the cinema, so it doesn't have to be, right? I think it's just, uh, I think, I, I, the reason I wanted to cover it was, I think it was, I think you and I lived through a really special time, didn't we, in terms of those films? We were very, very lucky, put yeah. it that way. Yeah. That's all for this month's episode of Double Reel. Thanks for listening and for making it all the way to the end. Thanks also to my co-host, James Adamson. The podcast was edited in Audacity and hosted on Spotify. We are grateful for their continued support. The music was Mistake the Getaway by Kevin MacLeod. Outside of Double Reel, you can find us both hosting a non-film-related podcast, The Adamson's Versus. Our most recent episode, The Adamson's Versus Stories from the Campfire, is out now. So this is me, James Adamson, signing off, and... 
This is me, James Adamson, signing off. Our next episode will be our regular episode 39 next month. Keep an eye out for any special episodes we decide to do in future. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave a review and tell your friends. Until next time, stay safe, watch lots of films, and may your life be as awesome as you pretend it is on social media. And if you're a member of the SMP, stop diddling with the finances. <laughs> nice niche cultural reference there. <laughs>